0: Welcome everybody to another Jump Music Initiative podcast and we have a returning guest with us today, Lisa Jacobs. Welcome Lisa. Hey, thanks for
1: having
0: me back. Oh, it's our pleasure. We, uh, we had so much to talk about last time um, that I'd like to continue on some of the things that we were chatting about last time. But I we also wanted to uh, talk about your non-performance um, non-performance related music endeavours. So you you have a life as a music therapist, you went to school for that and and I know you've been doing that for a long time. So we'd like to ask you some questions about that and then maybe some other stuff if that's okay.
2: Cool, sure. Go ahead Maddie. Okay, perfect. Um, (laughs) So the first question I wanted to ask is, do you feel it's important to have another role in the music industry other than in performance to create stability, especially given today's circumstances? Yeah, I think it's
1: it's hugely important, mostly because I see a lot of um, people that have longevity in the industry. They do a couple of other things. Um, It allows not even just stability in your career, but different kinds of opportunities for creativity and to utilize other parts of yourself that aren't just performance based. and one of the reasons why I find that to be very useful is because um, when you're in the music industry, music is a business. It's like going to a job and sometimes showing up for work and being a performer is a job where you have to smile when you don't feel like smiling. And, um, and so there are those kinds of components. So it's really incredible to have other ways to express who you are as a musician and other outlets. Um, so one of the things and, I, you know, honestly, I didn't even really do this intentionally. It was just things Come along as you live life. And so um, Jory was saying that I became, I'm a music therapist. And that was like, I mean, I didn't really know how that happened, but I knew that when I was graduating from high school, I just had this gut feeling like I was going to go down to LA and go to school there. And I just had this feeling that um, I wasn't supposed to do that. And so um, I, I listened and I kind of happened across music therapy and saw that music therapy was kind of a blend of music and psychology and working with people. And those were both things that I was very interested in and loved. And so I kind of um, pursued that alongside of all the other things I'm doing.
0: Can you um, tell us a little bit about the program that you attended and um, what going to school for that looked like? What are the, what were like, what sort of classes did, did you take? And how did you find out about that program?
1: Um, Oh so honestly this is totally crazy but I did a like a job research project when I was in grade 8 and we had like a book that we could go through and look at jobs. And I, I wrote a research paper about music therapy when I was 13 and then oh, wow. completely, yeah. And then completely forgot about it. Because what do you remember when you're 13? Like a few things. Right. So forgot about that. And then my parents were like, you have to go to university. And so I went um, and I, I took classes I was interested in I'm interested in psychology and I was interested in sociology. And so I took all these classes. And then somehow I found out, I can't remember, I found out about music therapy, but I was like, oh, music has been very essential in my life. And it was one of those things where I turned to music because I was really bad at talking about my feelings and really bad about sharing things, but I found solace and I found a way to express myself in music. And I thought, man, if I could find a way to to assist other people in finding that same kind of like magic in the music, I'm down for that. And so um, I looked it up on the internet and you could get your doctorate in music therapy. So I was like, okay. I can go to school for this. Um, Basically, the classes are exactly that. A mix of biology, music classes, and sociology, and psychology. All different kinds of psychology classes. And um, the program that I went to was in Vancouver. And they were a third and fourth year undergrad program.
0: And that was Simon Fraser University, correct?
1: No, Capilano University. Oh,
0: Capilano. I'm sorry. That's
1: okay. And and so um, I was able to kind of do All of the prerequisites were, and so I took a bunch of those at U um, of C. And then you have to be able to get into post secondary, like a post secondary music program. So you have to have the skill set to be able to do that. So I did mine um, in jazz performance on bass guitar. I majored in bass and then just transferred all of those credits and moved to Vancouver and did it there. But in Canada, there's a couple other programs where you can start the music therapy program from year one. I just but you need.
0: So you need the musical qualifications as well as, say, the academic ones to qualify for the program. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're starting the program in year one, you just need the music qualifications. And so that means you have to be um, skilled enough at one instrument to get into post-secondary school, which includes theory and and just kind of that skill set. But then for the music therapy program, you're also learning how to play, um, like, guitar like pretty basic sort of folk style guitar you just need to know chords and drumming and stuff and um singing and then also um piano accompaniment so and those are things that you can take but to get into the music therapy program you do have to have um some kind of skill level and on those because like i use bass like this much in my music therapy practice and i'm mostly using like acoustic guitar because it's
2: so mobile and then also um piano Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about what like a day at work would look like for you as a music therapist or how you use music in like a real life setting? Yeah. So
1: basically music is the study and practice of like figuring out what's so amazing about music and how to use that intentionally. And so um, in music therapy, in a a work day, I might work with people who have disabilities. So people on the autism spectrum disorder, with autism spectrum disorder or down syndrome. Um, I work in mental health. So schizophrenia, depression, et cetera. Um, I worked in maximum security prison for a little while which was very interesting. Um, I work with people in long-term care facilities, so people who might have dementia, people who might have had a stroke or an acquired injury or a brain injury, um, people in palliative care, I have friends who work um, at the children's hospital. And so we kind of work in all sorts of different places. And I also go into people's homes and teach um, at Adapted music lessons, which is very fun. So basically, it's kind of we're learning an instrument, but um, because of my knowledge of people with disabilities, I can adapt instruments and adapt learning process. So it's accessible for all kinds of people um, so
0: I was gonna say obviously it's a case-by-case case, uh, Situation with pa- with your patients or your uh, I shouldn't say patients, but your clients yeah. but, um, yeah. and uh, Is some of it? Um, like supportive or some of it, some of it, uh, like there's obviously different goals with, with different clients, but what are are some of the goals that you're trying to achieve with your clients?
2: Okay.
1: So, um, I might have like social goals. So we would be using music to work on things like listening and turn taking. So these are kinds of like really incredible things even just with children. And those are the kinds of skills that you can develop with people non-verbally. So with instruments, there's all those kinds of skills that are transferable. But we might, I have like a car full of like little percussion instruments that are really accessible. So maracas and bangas and stuff. And we work on social skills, but we use the music to do that, which if you are nonverbal, that's a really incredible way to also connect yourself to other people. Um, we, might, we might be working on emotional goals and expression goals so songwriting is incredible for that which as musicians we we know that and so kind of helping people facilitate that so the incredible thing about music therapy is being musical or musically inclined isn't necessary um it's more taking a person and using all of the things that music brings and allowing them to tap into that so in a songwriting thing you know people might not have an understanding of melody or any of those things but they could write down some ideas or um their feelings about a particular topic or even just how they're doing and then what I would do is I would take that song and then turn or take those words and turn it into a song and so sometimes I would get their input into what kind of genre it is or if it's you know slow or fast and then um, turn that those words and turn their words into a song that can be shared and the incredible thing about it is that the music acts almost as a container So you take something that's really personal and maybe, you know, difficult to communicate to others, as we know, like, it's not easy just to say your emotions aloud to people in a group setting. It's totally awkward, right? Mm -hmm. Right? But people are sharing all kinds of emotions when they're singing. Do you know what I mean? Like songwriters are sharing some like deep stuff. They would never say just speaking aloud, right? Good point. And, And so the incredible thing, the reason why that almost works is because the music itself creates this container. It's like this bubble where your vulnerability can travel safely to the ears of other people. Mm -hmm. And so so I, I, um, part of music therapy is like, just being able to create that space for people and have that kind of sharing happen. Um, Another way to use music therapy and to use music is, um, you know, I would maybe have like, I have a whole bunch of song books and I've done this um, in a lot of different kinds of group settings. Sometimes I'm working with an individual, sometimes I'm working in a group, but, say at one of the jails or in a group of adolescents. Um, again, talking, not the easiest and um, and what I'm doing in a group setting, sometimes the goal is to create connection and to create community because it's very easy to feel isolated in a prison. It's super, it's basically completely isolating, you know, or okay. just walking out your life sometimes is really isolating when you're dealing with things. And so to kind of um, create connection, I would use the music in that um, maybe no one wants to talk about themselves, but I would have someone choose a song from the songbook and then they would have to share why they chose that song. And uh, in sharing why they chose a particular song, um, we end up getting to know a piece of that human being and we feel connected. And um, music really brings people together in that sort of way. And um, we had an opportunity to look inside of somebody um, and, and kind of like, yeah, it like sneaks in there and allows you to share your emotions, and you don't even know it's happening.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, also, music is stored in all aspects of your brain. And so, you know, like it's stored in your motor co- cortex because you are moving to music or playing. Um, it's stored in your memories. We all have songs that are connected to really special memories. Um, it's stored in just your communication, your ability to speak and language or listening, all of those things. And so, um, it makes it in- incredible um, as far as if someone has a brain injury or or has a stroke, or someone like us, like at a job, we fall off a ladder and bump our heads, like we get an acquired brain injury. It totally changes your whole life. But um, you can use there's music still stored in there. So I've I've worked with people who couldn't speak but could still sing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, which is totally wild. So we used um, the act of singing, just sort of like certain phrases. Um, it's called melodic intonation therapy. Um, and we combine like a useful phrase, like I feel pain. And we have it associated with rhythm and with melody eventually, so that they can say that. So you almost bypass the fact that your brain forgets how to say words aloud, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, it's kind it's of- fascinating. It's, it is very wild, and you know, um, in Dementia so music is one of those things that stays with you. They say that some of the songs that you um, felt deeply about when you are in, like, as a young adult, those are the songs that stay with you the most, and I can totally relate because music in the 90s is the stuff that I, like, still go to and still, like, love the most, you know, when I was, like, um, in the early 2000s when I was um, a young adult. And um, and so in long-term care facilities or with people with dementia, I've seen some like crazy, crazy things happen. Um, one time I was working with this guy in palliative care. Palliative care is when um, people are basically, um, their, their life is digressing. And so I was working in that, which is very interesting and difficult. Mm-hmm. And so I was working with this gentleman and he was quite a bit older and he was just like vibrant, incredible human being. He loved music. He loved to sing. And I mean, he was just getting worse and his health was getting worse and worse and worse. And his dementia was progressing very rapidly. And one day I came in and um, I totally barely even recognized him. he wasn't really saying much. He was just hunched over and his wife and his daughter happened to be there. And so we were all kind of sitting around and it was it was sad. And uh, I remembered that his favorite song to kind of sing and the song that he'd held on to, um, amidst all of the other music in his life, he'd held on to take me out to the ball game. And so we ended up kind of sitting around this table, um, his wife and his daughter and I with him, and I started singing it. And he was just like yeah, crouched over and he wasn't really there. And we all started singing it together. And all of a sudden you could see like light, just like lift him up. And and all of a sudden he just like started belting it out hardcore. And he was really great at singing. And we all sang this song together and we sang it over a a bunch of times. And then we finished and we parted ways and I came back the next week and there was a message left for me that he, he had literally passed away a couple hours later and his daughter yeah and his daughter had said that 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 moment of singing together um, and just singing like a very simple song that was very obviously deep inside of them um singing that simple song was kind of like the last time they had seen their husband and and father in a way that they remembered him as him you know and so there's just um I mean, I don't know what to do with that kind of thing, aside from being like, oh my God, it's so incredible that music has the ability to kind of like be there and stay within us. Um, yeah. yeah. And Thanks so, for sharing
0: that. I was going to ask you about success stories because I know you have, you know, a lot of them. And, mm-hmm. and I've, seen, I've seen so many in real life and it's really touching you, yeah. when, when you see that, you know, app, you know, the application of music therapy and where it brings people, totally. um, you know.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. <laughs> <laughs> well it sounds like it's a very emotional job but at the same time it's it's beautiful to see those that type of thing happen so how do you deal with the struggles and also obtain job satisfaction at the same time how do you balance those things um so it's it's
1: interesting because like I I was telling you guys, I didn't like intentionally set my life out to be like this, but um, this is just how it turned out to be. And I'm like one of those people that's constantly seeking like balance in any kind of situation. And so um, I like love being a performer and I love being a musician and the music industry, the music industry itself is pretty, like it's a tough place. And after it starts to wear on your soul in a lot of ways, and there's a lot of different, things that are happening in there and I found that the fact that I get to do music therapy and kind of like sometimes I come home from tour and I um, get to engage with people who often kind of exist on the fringe of society people who I would normally never have an opportunity to interact with Um, I get to connect with them and see their worlds and see how they're walking out life and we get to create music together and it totally it totally balances me and it totally just like grounds me and kind of gives me perspective on some things that I think that um, sometimes when i 'm in the music b- business i I, I, I lose sight of, and so I find the music therapy work to be incredibly grounding um, and conversely, um, the music therapy work itself can be like you know difficult on the soul, and so in in any kind of therapy in any kind of counseling, we learn um, a variety of skills to maintain boundaries um, and i 've really found that one of the things that's absolutely vital for my career as a music therapist is to be able to also be a performer and to have a space where I get to express myself because music therapy isn't about me it's about creating opportunities for other people but when I get to perform when I write my own stuff when I am engaging in music in that way it allows me a space for me to kind of um let go and quietly process some of the other things. And then also I have um, a lot of colleagues and friends that I can debrief with about some of the weird things that happen in life. Cause there's weird things happening, you know, and uh, people are going through tough stuff, man. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's a, he- that sounds like a really heavy job, really satisfying job, of course, but, but uh, and one that could be, tough to deal with emotionally you know obviously um what advice would you have for a young music therapist or somebody that's interested in getting into music therapy what are some things they should be aware of what are some uh just just what are some aspects to that job that that you wish you knew when you were getting into it oh
1: good question
0: because i imagine i really think that you know the there's an emotional toll obviously you know anybody that works in palliative care or works with sick people in general you know that's it's got to be wearing and you need to be strong you know Mm -hmm. a strong person to be able to handle those sorts of things Uh, but you know are there any other skills that you can think of that are that would make a good music therapist? Mm.
1: Um, So one of the things that I've specifically done is Kind of diversified the kind of people that I work with. So I intentionally um, chose not to just work, say, in a hospital setting or not to just work in palliative care. And I have friends who do those jobs and I admire them greatly. And I honestly don't think I have what it takes to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think also that my particular skill set as a musician and human can translate to a bunch of other things. And so like, I like recording with my clients and I like teaching my clients how to play instruments and offering opportunities for that. And so I within my work build balance and um, yeah, just for myself as a person. And then I guess, what advice would I give a young music therapist? or Someone thinking about it.
0: It's a bit of a tough question, I know. but uh, I mean, there's know. like a
1: thousand things I could say. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, though, I think that for me personally, I have really benefited from having both a, a career as a music therapist and as, um, as a performing artist. But I don't think that's, that's necessarily for everyone. That's just kind of the route that
2: I took and needed for my own personal life. Um, on that same note um obviously being a performer and if you're touring and you're very busy gigging and all of these type of things how do you balance being a music therapist at the same time or how do you find work as a music therapist that allows you to be flexible flexible as a performer
1: oh my gosh okay so I totally lucked into this sort of thing um (laughs) I um so I think my position in both of those roles is a bit unique, but I contract to, I work as a contractor. So I contract to a music therapy company in Calgary and, um, and it's really like, it's very similar to kind of gigging, like when they have contracts, I fill those roles. Um, when I think that I am going to be in town for a long time, I acquire clients that I, can see for for a while and a lot of my clients are super flexible and they also understand and respect that um respect that other world that i kind of have and it's not for everyone so so there's a lot of music therapy work that i haven't done because it requires someone to be around and to be consistent and i can't always offer that to people so i mean i would say like it is kind of tricky to be in both worlds because i have this like weird guilt and kind of shame and I feel like I haven't gone as far as I possibly could and done all the things I could do as a music therapist and been like as vibrant in that community and I feel the same as a musician that if I just Mm -hmm. focused on one thing I could have been like way better at them either of them um but what I ended up kind of just doing is doing stuff that made me feel really happy and to be able to do both makes me feel happy in the end and offers me an ability to feed myself and a way to contribute to the planet. So, um, and, and to be a part of other people's lives.
0: It's certainly a wonderful <laughs> thing you do. And I've, I've seen you at work, Lisa, and I really admire what, what you do and what you've done with your clients. It's wonderful to see.
1: Mm. I, think, I think that music has the ability to really allow other people to shine. And so when I'm working with people with disabilities, um, I want people to like see who they are and catch a glimpse of who they are not just to see how they're different from the mm-hmm. rest of us you know and music is a great equalizer in that way i mean if you are when you're playing with people who don't speak the same language it just doesn't even matter that none of us speak english um or speak spanish or that we're all not speaking the same language we play and we can communicate you know and it's so cool and so um i think that i love growing. I love growing people and allowing um, others to see what they're capable and what they, they can offer. And music's one of those things that you can do that with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Maddie, do you have any other music therapy related things here to ask before I kind of switch gears?
2: No, yeah, I think we're ready to, we can move on to some other topics.
0: Uh, that was really insightful though, Lisa. Actually, one, I do have one more thing. Somebody wants to, uh, find out more about being a music therapist, how do you suggest they go about that?
1: Oh, um, I would just Google it. There's so many resources. So one, you can just like look up how to, um, the different kinds of programs for music therapy online. And then there's all kinds of like videos and resources. You can Mm -hmm. um, online to see even like see a session or kind of get um, a better description and visual of what that might look like. and then also you could message a music therapist. So I've done this with a lot where people are interested in it in, in the field and wondering what, it, what it's about. And I've gone on phone calls, got gone on coffee, like meetings, and just told people a bunch of different stories. Cause when I started out, um, you know, an actual definition of it, like, you don't really know. I didn't even know what I was getting into really. Um, but when you tell, when you're able to hear stories about um, what it looks like in practice, then you get a better sense of it. So just reach out to a music therapist. Good idea. Yeah. I mean, the internet's cool. amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Are, are there many programs available in Canada for post-secondary music therapy?
1: I think the there Yeah, I think there's four in Canada right now. Four or five. Oh, interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. all across the country, so.
0: So switching gears here a little bit, we just kind of want to have a, a- a chat and conversation about um, this state of not the music industry, but like we're talking about non-performance jobs and, and uh, you know, in music and, and what those can kind of look like. And, and maybe that's an interesting conversation to have right now, considering, you, you know, where we are with the pandemic and that, and, and that maybe there's some other uh, avenues for people in music. Yes. Do you have, do you have any idea of what that can go or some, what are some, what are some non-performance type careers that come to mind for you, for young people to to maybe consider getting into.
1: Okay, oh my goodness. So the longer I've been in the industry, the more different kinds of jobs I've been noticing and seeing. Um, And a lot of the positions are held by people that are musicians or, you know, studied music and just didn't want to be a performer forever or wanted to diversify it. So um, being a manager or a booking agent, Those are all like intrinsically linked to making sure the music industry happens. Mm -hmm. Um, But some other things that are really cool are sync and publishing jobs. So um, in movies and commercials and TV shows, all of that music that's happening in the background, somebody is placing, finding that music and pairing it Together perfectly, and so um, those are jobs like music supervisors, and those the skill set required for that usually is someone that's able to like find an emotional connection and, and pair it with a song, you know, and um, and kind of has a vast array of like music in their mind and a music catalog. It, it would be an incredible job for someone that loves music, um, and I've seen a lot of people who do that kind of stuff. And working in publishing. Um, And also there's all these kinds of like administrative jobs that you can do that having a musical mind and having an understanding of what the music industry already is, it would be a huge asset. Um, So even working at somewhere like Alberta Music or different kinds of like nonprofit organizations that are there to connect musicians with other things. If you're excellent at writing, being a grant writer is another side thing that you could do.
0: Um,
1: so as musicians, we all have other things that we are good at. And when you're, when you're being a performing artist, you often have to tap into a lot of that stuff. So I mean, if you're good at Excel spreadsheets and you are good at math and those kinds of things, doing budgets and doing all of those things, but those all translate into other jobs because some people aren't good at that. Some people aren't good at writing, so they need to hire a grant writer. Right. And so you might be a musician who understands that world and the lingo, but also are awesome at writing. So those are some things. But I think, um, yeah, getting into like the uh, other places, like when you're when you're wandering around, just check out all the other jobs that are happening. So there's a lot of musicians that also side as a tour manager which is, um, which they can do alongside with playing their instrument on tour. And the tour manager would be doing things like booking hotels. They basically like do all the annoying things that an artist doesn't want to do, like wrangle the musicians, set all the times for stuff, um, make sure everything's kind of like running smoothly, making sure sort of, you know, all, all of those like nitty gritty behind the scene details. That's a job that people get paid for, right? Um, So, you know, and then I mentioned, or I guess I didn't really mention it, but like being a music director, it's kind of like being a producer of an album, but that's another job. And um, it basically requires you to kind of be able to be a leader and assemble other people and have good ideas. And so um, you can do that in addition with playing, or you can just be a music director and you don't have to be on tour, you can assemble human beings
2: and send them off on their way. Speaking of that, can you tell us a little bit about your experience as a musical director? Um, Oh, yeah, sure. So, I mean,
1: I I first, the first music director job I got when I was, um, like, still a teenager and was in charge of, um, actually, everyone was basically older than me. And it was at a church, and there was probably, like, 35 people, um, musicians, and so basically, um, music directors assembling with the musicians, and then they're kind of the boss. So they would run the rehearsals, they get the kind of like final say of stuff.
0: Were um, you playing too while you did that? Or just kind of con- conducting? Or, were, you know, were, were you playing bass?
1: Yeah. And sometimes keyboards, but yeah, and mostly bass. And then um, there were so many people that we had other bass players, so I didn't always have to... Um, I didn't always have to play bass because there was a couple of different music teams. And then I um, MD'd for different artists along the way. One of them was Jocelyn Alice. And so I would kind of like assemble her band. Um, and she didn't live in the same city as a, as a lot of her musicians. And actually, her music, sometimes her musicians would live all over Canada. And she was living in the States. So we would get together and I would like run a rehearsal and she wouldn't even necessarily be there. Or... Um, it's pretty popular in pop music and in country music and, and quite a few genres to have tracks um, and have that running alongside the live show. And so the music director usually puts together the backing, the backing tracks and assembles them and takes out whatever instruments they don't want.
0: That was and, my um, next question, actually. And mm-hmm. while we're on the subject of that, using tracks and, and stuff like that, how do you do that? You, do you, you have an iPad that you run it off? or you have a computer? Um, what what does that look like?
1: Yeah, so there's there are a ton of different ways. I mean, a really basic way to do it is just simply with the iPad. Um, but people usually bring in like Ableton Live or their their computer, and um, there's all kinds of like other auxiliary things that run tracks. So um, I've used a couple of different settings and different people. Like so, sometimes I've been in charge of like you know, getting the tracks going or the drummer might do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the kind of like key things to know is that you have to be able to run a DAW system. So you have to know Logic or Ableton so that you can put all that stuff together. Um, so in a pop setting, basically the producer or whoever has the, the sounds from the album, they would st- send you those stems, just like a WAV file of like single like instruments and then you piece it all together.
0: You recently did, uh, did you take a course at Beat Drop, or were you just learning from Brandon Smith or, or this, that obviously must've helped, you know, help you do this, some of this MD stuff and spe- specifically with tracks. Yeah. Um, how did, did you do that? Did you do that course or how did you learn?
1: Yeah, so, um, well, truthfully I failed out of the course because I just gave up actually. Because I found um, I wasn't super good at online school. But BeatDrop, which is this incredible company in Calgary, but it's online, so you can take the course no matter where you are. Um, They offer producing courses and they teach you how to use Ableton, which is a DAW system. And so, um, and they have like all kinds of videos and live interactive, like talking with um, teachers and They had in-class programs, I imagine it's all online right now, and so um, I took an intro to Ableton course, which I finished, and then um, I started the producer one, but I failed miserably at it, um, which is very shameful. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for bringing up Jordan. real appreciate that.
0: <laughs> I didn't know.
1: <laughs> um, but yes, um, I I've utilized a lot of the skills from just learning how to do that, how to how to run a program like that. I've used it as a music director, but then I just used it in my own personal life for sending out bass stuff and recording things and producing things. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. I I, I think on our last session, I was saying one of the things that I think artists and emerging artists right now have an awesome opportunity to do is to learn how to run the computer stuff. And and I sincerely, like, I just wish that I had dived into that more. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. Me too, I feel. Feel like a dinosaur sometimes. <laughs>
1: totally. And and you know what? The thing is, is that I've been recording literally since I was a kid, like on um, four tracks and eight tracks. I literally used to sing records like we would trap with ghetto blasters by singing into the speakers, like in elementary school. You know, it wasn't like I don't know why I didn't do it more. I just didn't. And I, and so don't be like me. Keep recording. Learn how to do that because it will come in handy later for life.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess it's it's also good. Uh, point to to learn about some of the technology involved with different aspects of the music industry be it recording or performing and then staying on top of that as well is kind of a big thing because totally. it changes all the time
1: it does mm-hmm. it does honestly I like forget how to do half of it between each session that I have to do <laughs>
0: <laughs> well Lisa I think you've done a really wonderful job here of of, of helping us understand what it is a the music therapist is and how to get there and we sure appreciate your time
1: oh thanks for having me again guys
0: well I'm sure we'll definitely come up with some uh, another few lists of questions and and uh, <laughs> and get back to you well so it'll never end <laughs> I
1: think I think people are gonna want to hear from other people
2: Got no doubt, but...
1: Coming back and sharing sharing with us, yeah. <laughs> Clearly, you guys, I love talking about myself. So just anytime you want to <laughs> have me, I'm here I'm
2: here for it. <laughs> cool.
0: Thanks very much, Lisa. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Awesome. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.